like Planet OSU. Tell me that That's is the most perfect. That's actually perfect. One. That is perfect. <laughs> Tell that me that isn't me. the most perfect thing. No, that, no, that is perfect. Because I definitely will probably use Aaron Rodgers now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that worked out really well. I think you're right. I will end up using Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. Brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more. Especially if you're our age where it feels like there's a wedding, high school graduation, engagement, baby pictures. They're happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check it out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram, Saw Dad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Boys, David, what's up? We saw you last week. We really want to see Wally. The boys looking like a mermaid a little bit, a little waterlogged. Coming back from the submarine, David, I'd hope you did have a good weekend. But how are we, boys? I had a great weekend. I'm phenomenal. I'm just happy that Wally came back and he's got a carton full of milk and cigarettes and he's back. Yes. Thank you, Dad. I was going to say the duty-free carton of cigarette and all that, it made it so I could keep coming home to my kids. I didn't hate you guys as much after a week. I am happy to see you guys. And here's the thing. I wish I could actually give you more specifics. I will be able to in the next coming weeks, but I do have really fun personal news that I will be able to share before long that I'm very excited about, uh, but not a lot to talk about it yet. So that's a teaser. He's for, transitioning. Oh, NDA. Yeah, I was going to say a little, little tease, little cliffhanger, little, little salt bay for the future for you. But like it. guys, the cruise was great. I got a lot of sun. I read about half a book. I thought I was killing it. David, you Ooh. understand as your uh, significant <laughs> other is a book fiend as well. I had bragging on about vacation. What? But on vacation, like I just no man, you can't be rocking books that week. It's a great time. You get a couple beers in you. Your brain starts feeling a little loopy. You're like, oh my god, I feel like I'm right there. Except I'm reading about a book about. They're in a mental institute, so you don't want to actually be there in hindsight. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. It's kind of like a fight club situation that kind of arose there on the boat, huh? Yeah, it was one of those where I'm just like ready to kill anybody and everybody at any point. Just be ready. And then you wake up and realize it was a dream and it was all you actually the whole entire time. And now the cruise is over and you spent no time out mingling. It's the look down on your hands and there's blood all over. And you're like, oh my God, what have I done? But you guys where's, would. Where's the closest sink? You guys would appreciate this, I know, because you saw the picture. But you guys, thank you again for holding down the fort for me last Monday. I, in preparation of getting to edit and listen to your guys' podcast on Monday night, I had to walk around the ship because we had a drink package. And I was getting just mixed drink here, beer here, glass of wine here, anything that I could get. And I had like eight different random celebrity drinks on my little desk as I prepared to edit and listen to you guys. And I tell you, it made it a lot of fun. I think you guys are a blast to listen to about eight, eight deep. So yeah, hey, I appreciate it. But that. again, thank you guys for holding down the fort. You keep doing you. I'm glad you had a good time. Wally. Glad the hair got to get out there, get some sun, get a little bit lighter. I'm sure anyone else have like a, anyone get really, really burnt while out there. My sister looked like Rudolph, oh, where no. she did really well getting brown everywhere, except her nose was just like a, like egregiously red. And naturally, as a brother, I had to remind her that any 
opportunity I had the entire week. So that's so nice of you as a mobile phone to do that. I'm yeah, so I thought it was too. I, you know, sometimes you just feel like you gotta keep them uh, like level. You know, gotta level their mind occasionally. Yeah, you remind me why I'm happy to be an only child. So I really appreciate that, Wally. We have a bunch of NFL news, a little bit more than usual, but preseason has wrapped up. So that means the next possible game is the regular season kickoff game. We have some fun takeaways, more of the running back drama. Does it ever stop, boys? Because I don't think that it really does. First one up here, we got Mr. Jonathan Taylor. The Colts gave him the okay to seek permission for a trade. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade. This is going back a few weeks. David, I wanted to open up to you because you've been the ringleader and kind of F, the, F paying the running backs, but I'm very interested to see what your take is on the Jonathan Taylor Colts saga that may be coming to an end, maybe not coming to an end. I don't – he's kind of fucked. He called, he called the Colts bluff <laughs> thinking that like – and he even said it in the media. He's like if they – you know, they're going to go get like a first rounder for me then I'm worth a first round – like I'm worth more money. But, like, there are rumors from unnamed GMs and executives, and not a single one of them has higher than a second-round pick or a package of a second and third. And, like, if you're not giving that much up for him, then he's still not worth the paying that extended contract to. So, like, I think he's fucked. Uh, you know, he's definitely not going to be paid. Like, he's not going to get his value in a trade for the Colts, and he's not going to get the contract he's looking for. Uh, from any team that trades for him the team that trades for him is just going to hope that they can you know give him a a this year deal and send him off somewhere else so I I don't know I I just think he's screwed I, I just if you're like JT you don't care what comes back it'd be really flattering if it's a first but at the end of the day you want to just get out to that another situation the real question is, and I think the real hang-up for him, is wherever you end up, they don't want to pay you either. We just watched Josh Jacobs, which we'll get into here in a second, get paid $12 million for one year. We saw Saquon Barkley get high, close to eleven, And those were incentive-laden. Those were they have to hit benchmarks to get that million or $2 million raise off of the franchise tag. How's Jonathan Taylor's no different than those guys. He, when he is up, he's going to make 8 to $12 million. So it's just, it sucks right now to be a running back. I just, there's no solution. We have opened the floor for weeks now across media, and no one has a good one. And I just don't know how it gets better until the CBA's up. Yeah, and there's no way around it. We can sit here and, and talk circles. Jonathan Taylor is screwed. He's been screwed since this offseason started, or at least till these running backs stopped, quote-unquote, getting paid like the David Montgomery's kind of floating around there. I mean, at this point, you got to kind of suck it up. Like to David's point, he they called their bluff, and especially after um, after some injuries there in their running back room, and now all of a sudden it's like, and you know what? If we want to ship you off, we can. Dude, it, we said it once, we said it again. It sucks to be a running back. Shout out to the boys in the trenches, though. Shout out to the trenches. And and you know what? They're part of the problem too because as they get better with these schemes, they make it so average running backs survive longer. So like, here's the thing. We love talking about right now these high like level running backs and their value and not getting paid enough. The guys that we never seem to talk about are the Kenyan Drakes of the world who Just recently float released. around. 
Yeah, like they float around for 12 years making good money because it's not actually as we sell it as if if you're a running back, you'll never get paid. In reality, it's if you're a premier running back, you're never getting premier dollars. If you're an average running back, you can stay in the NFL for eight, 10 years. Look at Jonathan Stewart's of the world. Look at uh, D'Angelo Williams of the world, even though he was higher. Even for Jet a few Wilson seasons. in Miami. I, it, it's one of those things. If you are an average back, you can last in the league forever. You can make a living. So yeah, it sucks for the high end guys, but at the end of the day, it's we're we're making this out to be a bigger issue than I I think it really is. It doesn't suck for the high end guys. They just need to they need to realize that their best bet is just take your take your sixteen million a year, make it nine, and make it fully guaranteed or make it nearly fully guaranteed, and you're gonna get more money over time than what your contracts currently are set up as. I don't even disagree, but like you're an Adrian Peterson fan, David. Let's go back to that year that he had. What was it? It was close to like 2,100 yards rushing that year in Minnesota. Almost broke the what record. Was he his... was like 40 yards off. I don't even think it was 40. I think it was nine yards off or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was, like, it was single right. digits. It was. it was against Green Bay in week like 17. I remember like, no, no, please. Not yeah, Steven Bay. the whole time was like, this season doesn't matter. We I just can't so let him be happy. Didn't get it. I wouldn't have even tried to win that game. I would have just fed the ball to AP the entire game. But, but that was what sucked is I think Minnesota actually had reason to play and actually reason to win. So it was just like, and they did, yeah, they did they, end up winning. I think they yeah. won on like a field, like a last second field goal. Yeah. They had to, they had to throw at the end to win that game. Uh, well, I mean, but more or less my whole reason for bringing that up, it's like that was one of the best seasons in NFL history. And I don't know after that, like how much percentage wise it would have been making more than like the second guy, the the next good running back in the league. I don't think that the pay ever separates. My point more or less is that if you're an elite elite at most positions, you get paid and it, the ceiling keeps getting pushed higher. It's a problem, but the, the ceiling's kind of stuck for running backs just because there's so many of them. Well, he... He saw, I mean, his contract was hyper incentive latent. Like he, I think it was like six years, 90 million, but he, the guarantees were at like 18 million. So like his whole contract was him. Like he had to, he had to play it out and do well, which obviously he did, but like, that's the only way you're getting a contract like that. So if that's what running backs want, great, you know, pay him a lot. But then when they fail, don't pay him at all. That was what we're saying for the Vikings was that that had to have been between 2011 and 2017, I imagine, right? It was 20. Uh, yeah, I think he got paid in 2010, maybe 2011. That sounds about right. Because that would have been three yeah. years. 2010 would have been three years after yeah. his rookie season. So that sounds about right. Yeah, his average salary was $14 million, And I know that the league is different, but it's, it's just still it's kind of crazy to teams. see. What'd you say? Who else were they paying on those teams? Like Simeon Rice and uh, oh, Percy God, Harvin. I guess mostly on the defense, like Kalen and Jared Allen. Brett Favre would have been right around then too. Yeah. Well, and he well he retired. Jared, in Allen. The... Jared Allen's a big one. The linebacker, the Williams brothers. Um, that whole D line really, and uh, oh, Antoine Winfield. Maybe you had the start um, of like Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks. Yeah, the defense. Yeah. That was like the, the defense birth was of actually because like keep in mind Christian. Uh, what's his name? Uh, oh my god! How am I gonna? No. 
<laughs> Who was the quarterback was out of FSU? Ponder. Christian Ponder, baby. Ponder. Christian Ponder. How did I forget that with Mrs. Samantha. Ponder? That's the only one. On that's TV. the only Ponder but, uh, makes you ponder. No, nah, Christian Ponder. You got to remember the year that the year that uh, they went to the playoffs, the year we're talking about where he ran for like 2,100 yards, uh, that defense and Adrian Peterson were responsible for like 10 of their 11 wins. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Christian Ponder might be – He's one of those guys that's the Alex Leatherwoods of quarterbacks. Oh, stop. Where you even look back. <laughs> I, what, I actually am surprised he didn't have more of a career as a backup, just so we're clear. Like, Ponder. <laughs> See, I disagree. Even, no, Alex, anytime you get to compare Alex Leatherwood. My point, no, my point is Christian Ponder, like Alex Leatherwood, was overdrafted. Where even oh, in the moment, 100%. people were like, well, like, even in the moment, people are like, dude, that's way too early for him. Where there are guys like Demarcus Russell, where obviously it was a bust, total failure, yeah. but a lot of GMs would have taken him there. That's the difference. I know. There's different just, types of busts. You just bust. bring it up, Leatherwood. Like, man, you got to I just like Christian Ponder. Time. Wait until I, I really we get to the critical losses for the Chicago Bears. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really shocked Ponder didn't have a long career as a backup because he had the talent to uh, be a, a backup. I feel like, okay, yeah, we're right. spending way too much so, time so, talking so about a team right, that, right. that we shouldn't even be talking about to the end of it here. What, next up, your boy, Raiders Josh Jacobs, coming back on a one-year 12 mil 12 mil deal. Yeah, so a little bit more than Saquon. I believe it's going to be a little bit more incentive-based or incentive-ridden. But, Wally, this is your guy. You get him back in the NFL's leading rusher from a year ago. How do you feel, I guess, all in all about the contract, just getting him back and then maybe the aftermath of everything? I'm so confused. <laughs> I, I'm seriously so confused. Like, Is there some kind of plot that these running backs have that they're taking these, I mean, what people don't I seem like understand. This is only a raise. If he hits the incentive stuff, if he doesn't, he's effectively taking a pay cut to be allowed to get tagged again. Now, not to call you what out. What am I missing between him and Saquon? What am I missing? Not to put you on the spot. Do you know what those marks need to be? I don't know his, but to give you, I can tell you Saquon's off the top of my head, and you'd imagine it's similar. It was 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, make the playoffs, and it was something like a, a benchmark of like reception yards, whether it be like 400 or something like that. Where, bro, I hope they didn't throw that into uh, Josh. Yeah, well, you still Josh playoffs, have to make the He'll playoffs. never make money. It's like, bro, you're not even going to yeah sniff the wild card. Can we sniff within five games? Can we call it that? Josh Jacobs is fully guaranteed. All right, so his twelve. So Josh Jacobs makes he makes one point five more than he would have under the tag. Okay, uh, or about one point five more, which is good. So okay. His it's is good actually for money, his but. is he actually earns more this year, but he runs into the exact same problems yet again next year. Because here's the worst part of it is if he doesn't play exactly like last year, like let's say he has like an off year and he only runs for like one thousand fifty yards, right? What do you do? If you're another team, you're not going to pay him. No, but now, like now Oak yeah. or Vegas has him exactly where they want him. Right. And now he's screwed. And so it's just, it's a stupid move. I, I don't, these guys, I feel like these guys' agents are are chatting in their ear, telling them the wrong things to do. But like, again, if it were me, I'd be going, all right, Raiders, $9 million a year, guarantee eight per year, and I'm in for four years. You know, like, I just... 
give and yourself long-term money. And then if you get cut, money. you get what Zeke did. I know Zeke's is not a, a contract that'll ever happen again, but like you were, he was at least smart to get himself paid down the road money. That if you cut me now, I'm going to be happy. But the thing that I, I have to point out though is David, you just lined up if everything went perfectly for him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just do the opposite, and I'm going to do uh, an agent in the same spot. Let's say he plays all 17 games. Let's say that he leads the league in rushing again. If that happens, it means he's probably going to lead the league in touches again. He's going to be run through the mill again. He's done with five years on top of the fact that he was used a lot in his last year at Bama. If I'm a team, I'm like, why am I going to go pay for new Josh Jacobs? Look what the blinds just did. They got Jameer Gibbs that he's going to pay a fraction of the, of the, uh, the dollar amount, and they have it for five years. Why not just do that, then go and sign 27-year-old Josh Jacobs after two great years? Why? There's, never, there's no good route for these running backs. Well, to your point, and I'm just like kind of running through the numbers through my mind, right? 12 mil fully guaranteed, right? Why not push that out? You can make it a three-year deal. You can make it like 28 Right, so it's obviously under the cliff, but you don't want it fully guaranteed. If you get that fully guaranteed, that knocks down what six mil, eight mil of money that you'd be losing if you pay them off by the year. And yeah, okay, maybe depending on what um, Vegas's salary cap is looking like, but it's quick. It's almost like that Nick, that Nick Chubb. Like Nick Chubb was so ahead of his time that contract, which obviously is coming to bite him in the ass. Now we'll see what the offseason looks like, just because of all running backs. But I mean, he got he got his. Right there. And he was lining himself up perfect for that second contract. And then all of a sudden, kind of, we're having a little bit of a uh, recession in the running back market. Steven. Yes. Did you hear that? Oh, my God. It's deafening. I, I was kind of worried you didn't hear that. Dude, what? Oh, oh, oh Dude, my God. We're back, baby. It's 911 Rapid Fire. We're back. We're back. And I heard him last week too. Thank God for you, Stephen. You know I was going to say, David. Oh my God, David. David can't hear him. He must have bad David, ears. It's David's always, an eighty-year-old like, man. How many times have I said it? He can't hear. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> He's just reading it is subtitles. Fire time. We do need subtitles and big ones too. They go halfway across the page. Those big old remotes <laughs> that are this big. I, Those I'm are actually kind of clutch because I'm tired of losing my remotes. Yeah, and plus they just kind of look good. <laughs> Yeah, right? It brings the aesthetic around, uh, you know, kind of brings the whole feng shui of the room together, I think. Exactly. It, it makes it more functionality, you know? It's all yeah, about dude. function here. Dude, yeah, feng shui, feng shui. Feng, feng shui, Yeah, I like it that. Works. I like that. You know what rapid fire means. We're going to take a few topics, we're going to hit them quickly, and then we're going to move on to our AFC, NFC North previews. We'll start with the AFC West Defending Super Bowl champs, mind you, Kansas City Chiefs. Chris Jones is hinting at sitting out until at least week eight. What I have to ask you guys, is this actually good news for the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, I I go back and forth on this. So Andy Reid said there's been no communication. Whatever happens, happens. The game goes on. That seems like a comment that you say to limit the distractions, but like, those make me think that he could be on the block and you know, if they trade him, great. If not great, they get him back for the rest of the season. I just, you know, he's going to be shaking off rust and, and I get that come playoff time. That's where he really thrives, but I don't know. I it's high risk for injury when you haven't played training camp and you haven't played games and you're working your way back. And 
I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm still tired of everyone trying to get massive contracts while they're still under contracts and asking for more. And it's just like, there's that old man pointing at the cloud. Yeah. Cause I'm about is. to pop right now. It's a hundred percent old man mentality, but I'm just like, I, I'm everyone and their mother wants a new deal and I get it. But just like, just play out your deal. Like the longer you sit on the Chiefs, the more, but like here's the problem: the longer you sit on the Chiefs, the more likely you are to be a Hall of Famer in Chris Jones's picture. Like you, you win you have three, a four Super agreement. Bowls, but no, you. I was gonna say, do they get ten extra million dollars if he makes a Hall of Fame though? <laughs> no, but he's making a shitload of money anyway. So like, whatever. He is making a shitload of money. I hope he doesn't hold out till week eight. I agree that he actually does need to get a new contract. This is a contract year. He's going to be twenty nine. This is when you can make a really big splash and get that second bag. And for a premier position, he is making 20 mil. That is a lot of money at the end of the day. But it's going to rank in eighth going into the 2023 season when you see a lot of these players getting paid more than him uh, that maybe shouldn't. You know, I love Dexter Lawrence, Quentin Williams. But, I mean, coming off of a season where he had 15 and a half sacks, 77 pressures, a pass, a pass rush gate of 92.2, He's one of three interior defensive linemen to have a pass rush grade above 85 combined with a, a rush defense grade of at least 75. I mean, this dude is a freak. He's got to get paid simply for the fact that this is a contract year. And if he gets injured, he's just in this. He's in the same boat as Josh Jacobs and Saquon. I, in that case, for a premier guy like this, like, he needs to get paid. I'm glad you just brought up Dexter Lawrence and Quentin Williams, though, because when you talk about interior defensive linemen, in stars, I feel like people talk about Aaron Donald, Quinnen Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and I don't know if it's because he's hidden, because he's on the team of Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Super Bowl champs. Chris Jones, I feel like, gets lost in the shuffle, and he's just as good, if not better, than those, at least a couple of those guys in there. So, in a weird way, if I'm the Chiefs, this feels awesome. I can save, like, $8 bucks. Get one of the best players in the NFL back for the playoff push healthy. And then you can worry about tagging him or re like signing him in the offseason. This is a home run for everybody. The Chiefs are gonna win the AFC West. We all know it. At the worst they're a playoff team in the wild card. Get him for the playoff push. If I'm a Chief fan, I'm just celebrating. Dude, sit at home. You sure we can't? You wanna wait till week eleven? Like <laughs> do not You've got rush. an extra we're getting the bye then, week. Come on. Yeah, 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 make sure you're okay. Make sure you're all right. Like, get that Thanksgiving turkey and then come back. Trey Lance. I love it. Speaking of turkeys, fourth round pick. Traded to the Cowboys. David, this is, it feels like an opportunity to get your anti-Kyle Shanahan propaganda out. Can't, can't <laughs> not anti-Kyle, uh, but I'm not anti-talk shit about him. Him and John Lynch suck at drafting in the first round. Like, literally suck at drafting in the first round. And they trade three first-round picks and a second for a guy they get four games out of before sending him off for a fourth. Their willingness to throw away first-round picks is alarming. But yet, somehow, they've been really good at drafting in the middle rounds, and they've been really good at building out their roster at every position but quarterback. It's good for them, I guess. I just can't. Like, if this, <laughs> if, if this were any other team in the NFL, other than maybe... Uh, you know, really not it, other, any other team in the NFL. We'd be making fun of them. We'd be calling them a failure, the regime a failure. And I, I just like I, I it, criticisms are due here. 
And I'm not willing to just be like, oh, fuck it, it's Kyle Shanahan. Like, ah, oh, greatest coach ever. No, fuck that. Criticisms are due. And you've got, you gave away six first round picks, I think, maybe five, for a running back and a quarterback who's no longer on the roster. And right now you're betting your whole fucking job on Brock Purdy being the guy he was for the final six games last year. I just, I, I'm, I, their criticisms are due. But that being said, Trey Lance is also the big con artist, the biggest con artist since Donald Trump, 519 total passes in his entire football career. Buddy, that is like me taking two fucking tests and graduating summa cum laude. I don't fucking get it. But whatever. I'm not a pro, I guess. Dude, they okay. You oh, can no. dog Shanahan and all that. Oh, they can't draft in the first round. They do, they're losing all those picks and still in the NFC Championship games year after year. Thank you, Steven. They, Thank you. And it's just to blow your mind. Like obviously, you know, this was a horrible trade. Trey Lance is gonna. Trey Lance is, I guess, is gonna be in a good position there. And and Dallas with breathing down Dak's neck. No, that's just a, such a shitty quarterback room. After Will Greer popped off in that preseason game, this is what they do. Anyway. Yeah, Will Greer out here, so it's like, what yeah, do I Yeah, just 350 have? total yards with four touchdowns, that's all. Um, no, but... Each inflation, that's inflation I want to see... Not only preseason, but Raiders I want to see who... So it's like basically up 150 yards. What's been really terrifying is how good they've been without this, but also just imagining one of those 10 players drafted after Trey Lance, who they could have rostered and what they would be like right now. Like, imagine if that... No, it wouldn't have been Kyle Pitts. But if they got like... Jamar Chase, Panay Sewell. I'm I'm not. Uh, here's okay. Is that a Micah Parsons range too? That. Imagine if they got Micah Parsons and Terry yeah, imagine if they got real. Micah Parsons. It'd be unfair. <laughs> Holy shit! Okay. That'd be so good. I first of all completely agree that there should be criticism here, but at the same point, this is the same regime. That has gone to the NFC Championship three of the last five years. Went to the Super Bowl one of the five. They did choke it. I will give you that. With Jimmy but G, though. Like, that's, that's not – it's not this – Jimmy G. How is that a – Jimmy like, G that should is, be – if is, anything, it should be extra Jimmy points. Jimmy G is average. Quarterback Trey Lance is dog shit. Record, you get average quarterback play. The, the real criticism is going to come if Brock Purdy doesn't pan out because they have no QB in that QB room that's average Same if Brock down. Purdy isn't. Sam Darnold, well, baby. What is happening right now I, look, is I, we are looking at I understand what we that are looking at in coach. this moment. I'm just my point is what I believe we're looking at right now is very similar to what we saw with Andy Reid in the early 2000s. He went to the NFC Championship four times, hosted it four times, and it was for one reason or another they always found a way to lose. Look at the way we talk about Andy Reid now; he's one of the best coaches of all time. Kyle Shanahan right now is same trajectory a, to collapse in Atlanta. If, the, if he's in a collapse against Patrick Mahomes, who might be the be, literally the best two quarterbacks arguably of all time, collapses against them away from us being like the guy walks on water. So I just think that there, I, there needs to be criticism. But at the same point, I'm not saying, I'm criticize, not saying Shanahan's a, a bad coach. He's he's one of the best in the league. He is Andy Reid prior to Andy Reid in, in Kansas City. Like, he, he doesn't, like, I get it. But there needs to be some criticism on five first-rounders for two players, and one of them's no longer on the roster. 
Like, and, but that's, and but that's not mostly a Shanahan that, thing, though. He's not making a lot of these trades. I think it's a John Lynch in the front problem. office because we've seen all the stories coming out about Great, John but that Lynch means and Shanahan. The front office, that means heads. John Lynch goes. Yes. John Lynch goes, and you start to cycle these GMs in and out, and they're still not going to do anything. He's not, they're not going anywhere, baby. They good. I don't think Plus, either one are. Crystal clear. If John Lynch leaves, their next together. guy, their next guy is going to be whoever Shanahan wants, and John then Gruden, whatever happens, and yeah. then whatever happens, then whatever happens is absolutely on Shanahan because that'll be who he chose. What? Oh, wait, hold I on. Agree. If they get a new GM, then it's on. It's on Shanahan for the new GM. Hundred percent, because they're not going to get a new GM Why? without Shanahan's approval. Think about that. Uh, We're also putting the cart so oh, far, yeah. far ahead of the, the, the court be, or the horses. Because I'm just, just not be, a believer. I'm not a believer in Brock Purdy. We got it. We got it. I'm not a believer in Brock Purdy. Yeah, and I, the, the criticisms we like. I'm tired of of being like, oh, but they made the NFC Championship. Like, oh, but they did that with like average QB play from from Jimmy G. If they get shit QB play, it's a whole different ball game. You not. can stack the box. Legend. You can stack the box. And suddenly your game plan looks a whole lot different. I need, I need Jim Irsay's. <laughs> we were in the upper quartile of the upper quartile right now. Cause they, that is, they are the upper quartile of the upper quartile. So I, I, I just, my point more or less is, yeah, there, there is room for improvement. Yeah. There's room for criticism, but I'm not like, why do we put this shit anybody. in rapid fire? Somebody remind me. Well, it was one of those things where I thought it'd be rapid, and then you know, looking at us, it's, anytime Shanahan comes up, it was never going to be rapid fire. Well, but this, I labeled this injury. I was going to say I labeled this as injury minute. So let's Timer hope it stays. In, Three, I was going to say inside two. injury five. Daywood Davis. We uh, probably should lower the. We had a scary injury this last week in the preseason game between Miami and the Jags. Game got called early, and it just more or less, first and foremost, we're obviously thrilled that Daywood Davis is out of the hospital and presumably doing a lot better and improving from everything that we've seen. But my thoughts went to the Bengals and Bills game, as I'm sure your guys' did too, in DeMar Hamlin. And that was a particular scary incident. It led to a very unique situation of a real regular season game getting stopped. So I I just, I guess I had my question for you two is do you believe they're still playing games like this in the regular season, or have we seen a hard shift? Man, it's we're going to really start getting into some into the nitty-gritty for this is how the regular season games are going to end because I like kudos to the NFL. I think in the preseason it's good, but then you're even kind of taking away some minutes from guys maybe proving a spot for a roster, um, you know, proving their point for a roster spot. This did happen last week in Green Bay against um, the Patriots game as well. Um, but if we're going to start taking this in the regular season, there's going to be a lot of a lot of asterisks on these teams, and it's 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 a rough spot. It's such a double edged sword. I'm not. It's not like I'm not or I'm against players' health because obviously you need the players' health. But man, if we're gonna if we do this and there's say that there's seven games that end like this and they all happen to be in December, like there's going to be a lot of question marks. I don't mean to flag my, so that's my or wave my Skip you, Bayless Steven. flag here. I just don't know what they could possibly do to make that even. That was my question for you was, do you think if this happened in the regular season, do they finish that game? They need to. There's no ways around it. If they can, 
they try to, okay. if they try to finish. I, I'm not it, right? disagreeing, especially either. if it's like a Bills. Say the a Bills Bengals game like that happens even later in the year, like Week 17, and the, the two the two weeks prior happened to playoff teams, and now it's scrambling. Maybe at one point, unfortunately, it'll become it'll even itself out. If there's that many injuries, but I just don't see any way around it. You're going to have to continue to play outside of a Demar Hamlin. That felt uniquely and particularly life-threatening, and that feels a little different. But, David, uh, what were your thoughts? I guess same. You got to play it. You, you, you're going to have to play it out unless somebody actually dies like, you know, Mar Hamlin did. I And in that case, it kind of sucks, but I still think you should give the win to whoever's winning at that time unless it happened, like, right after the first drive, you know? Like, I... Maybe, like, make it, like, a first half yeah, rule. Like, or if you're done with the half, If you're done with the half, it's, it's whoever's winning at the half. If you're done, you know, otherwise it's a tie or something like that. But, like, yeah, it, it, let's... I, I don't want to do the thing where you... You overcorrect for one issue that happened, uh, and I, I don't know how to say that better. That it's you know in business, a lot of times you find people overreact to one bad thing that happens that's never really going to happen again. And knock on wood, but I'm not saying Demar Hamlin, yeah, Demar Hamlin is never going to happen again. But like, let's be real in in fifty plus years of the NFL, that's happened maybe what three times and you know, two times or pr- probably prior to 1980. Like, I, I, I just... And if you how, tell an NFL player that, that, they're also ready to strap up, too. That's the thing. Like, we can we can sit here trying to make ourselves not betray, like, well, they need to get out there and play. But, dude, you tell those players to not go out there and play, right? Outside of these horrific injuries, dude, there's players playing through a lot that are the over-competitiveness of, of those professional athletes, I think, goes just is being overlooked. Well, well, and this is where I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, just because, Stephen, you started this with talking about, like, it's a preseason game. They probably made the right choice. I agree. But it's like, at what point do you stop taking it case-by-case basis and you almost have, like, a blanket rule? Because, yeah, preseason, I'm all for canceling it. But if that's Super Bowl Sunday and it happens in the third quarter, you're not sending everybody home. And I don't care what we say. It would take a disaster of mass casualty to get a Super Bowl game like canceled mid game. So it's just like, talk about business, David, they ain't doing that. It's just like, I I, like, I just, we don't have, that would be an all timer. I I feel like we're just reactionary. We're reactionary right now. Where, as you you said, you know why we are those? Cause the NFL never does anything right. The first time. We have no plans. There's no plans. There's nothing there. And, and we could have, you know, the concussion issue could have been addressed 15 years ago, but we waited till the last minute and waited until we got criticized by the media. And it's just like, that's why, that's why everyone's reactionaries. Cause we know that there's nothing, nothing's going to be done. Nothing's going to change. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to miss three to four weeks with a wrist injury. I'm pretty bummed out about this just cause I really wanted to see a healthy Seahawks team to start the year. And I'm almost even more worried because as a Buckeye fan, I got firsthand burned on seeing him miss a full season because of an injury last year. And now this is a second little one back to back. You just kind of hope the guy can stay healthy because he seems like a tremendous talent when he is. Same. That's all I really got. I mean, I I think this year was going to be a work yourself into Tyler Lockett replacement year. But, I, I, you know, 
hopefully we see him just break out after the injury is done with and, and call it a day. I think he'll be fine. Everything I've been – or what I've been seeing and reading is, I mean, take this for a, a grain of salt, a couple grains, is he'll be ready for week one or he's shooting for week one. Even then, I mean, this was even, what, last week. So um, I think that he'll be fine, and I think this will be one of those injuries to wide receivers early on that we completely forget about. And lucky that it's not like a hamstring or one of those lower extremities. Yeah, true. Uh, that seemed to kind of, you know, bother you throughout the year. Buck center. Ryan Jensen is out for the season again. It's back-to-back years. He's going to miss a full year. Last year, he elected not to get knee surgery, hoping to get back for a playoff push with Tommy Terrific. It unfortunately didn't work. His knee's not gotten better. And it sounds like we're pretty low on the idea of possibly seeing a very, very good uh, offensive lineman never playing football again, David, right? Yeah, I mean, I it might not be a hot take, but I think right now it might be a hot take, is I'm putting him on retirement watch. The guy is 32. He's coming off. And I, I need people to understand this. ACL, PCL, MCL, and meniscus tear. That is your whole knee. That is everything. That was in 2022. He chose not to get surgery, which I think was a really dumb decision. I think he should have gotten surgery. You know, I, I understand the desire to play for a Super Bowl, but like, you got to prioritize your health over everything. So he didn't get surgery after just shredding his knee. I mean, that is, that is a horrific knee injury. You might as well. That's run Teddy Bridgewater area. Right. Right. Like that's a, that's for most skill positions. That's a career ender. Right. Um, but I, I, I and I he's just, a 300 pound man. Right. Like I just think at 32, you know, he may, he may pull a Joe Thomas and call it a career and not want to rehab the way he rehab. Like, you know, at 32, he's not going to rehab like he did at 24. So like, you know, that's a, that's a long road back after you spent eight months rehabbing a long road back from that injury. So like yet again, you've got another long road of rehab. I just, I think he calls it a career before he's unable to walk in and play with his kids. Yeah, you know, he didn't get set off in the sunset like a lot of these players wish to do, but his last season that he played, what? He didn't hit the Super or he hit the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, had a solid year after that. You know what? The magic kind of ran out, as you saw all in Tampa Bay. It's it's time to hang your hat. You spent your first part of your career there in Baltimore, so we know how nitty and gritty that run first offense typically was, even though he was kind of what tail end of Joe Flacco era there a little bit, so it sucks, but you know what? Get out. You, you got your money. You got your ring. Uh, this That's really all you can hang your hat on. Yeah, Ian Rappaport even reported the other day that he thought that Jensen probably has played his final snap. So I don't even know if I'd call it hot at this stage anymore. It, it is a shame just because he was a dog when he was healthy. Like, he, he was. was a mean – like, you know uh, – It's a like, mean, ugly mother – Yes. Like, offensive line, the reason why the three of us love it so much is because we all – have had experience in some capacity with the O-line. And we understand there's just kind of a a nasty mentality these guys have to have, especially to make it at this level. And, yeah, it was stunning because I tried to reflect on his career as if he was retiring. Um, Mace, he only had that one Pro Bowl, but to your point, Steven, people are going to remember Tom Brady with that Bucks team. But Ryan Jensen might have been the heart and soul of that year. He truly change that offensive line with his mentality. So I think if he is done, we will all wish him nothing but the best. With that, Wally, let's get in 
to the AFC and NFC predictions for our divisions. And this week, we have the AFC and NFC North. One, one side of the North is one of the most interesting divisions there on the AFC. And the other North, the NFC, I will say is one of the most interesting divisions in, on the NFC side, but for all the wrong reasons. We'll start with the AFC. The aforementioned Baltimore Colts, where Ryan Jensen spent the first part of his career, is the Did first team that Baltimore itself. Colts? Was that a shot at David? Because if it was... Oh, my God. If it was, no, I was I definitely all for it. I'm like... Are you calling like, is this like a Baltimore Browns callback? Like, I don't know what we're doing here. That is a good, that's good. No, I completely just blanked on it because I was still had Jonathan Taylor. No, that was amazing. Me, so I was like, Baltimore this is Colts. awesome. All right. No, that works. That works. It's fine. The Baltimore Ravens, their over-under is set at 10 and a half this year. This is a team that finished 10 and 7. You know, Lamar Jackson going out with injury for the past few weeks. Some key additions. We had Zay Flowers, their first round pick, as well as Odell Beckham Jr. making an appearance back in the NFL. Uh, Rocky Alsin, and of course, O.C. Todd Munkin. We had a couple key departures, Calais Campbell, as well as Justin Houston, so a bunch of old defensive linemen. But boys, 10 and a half. What are we feeling on the Baltimore Ravens this time? Under. Under, and not by a mile, but I really want to say by a mile. I have them going three and three in division again, being third place in the North. My AFC North is skewed because the only thing I'm confident in is the Bengals winning the division. I this this division is going to be wildly competitive. You know, the third place team, maybe even the second place team in the AFC might in the AFC North might go ten and seven and, and miss the playoffs. Like we're just there's at a position. Wait, wait, you had them third? I had them third. And you had him third at nine and eight. Third and okay. Nine and oh eight. no, I know, but I think it could have been fourth. Right. It could have like been fourth. Been That's fourth. how good this division is. Right. Like I think I, I don't think anyone in this division wins less than eight games. Like I think eight's the very the the bottom. Yeah. Right. But yeah. uh, agree. I just I think the Ravens are overhyped again. I think they'll be competitive in every single game. But like what we don't have here in key departures is their old offensive coordinator who had a habit of making running quarterbacks and running offenses work, and. You know, we can I, – I have a habit of shitting on Lamar Jackson. He's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback because he can't throw. So I I just – it'll be interesting to see what Todd Munkin does. Um, I think he's a good OC, but, like, I think Todd Munkin also has historically had some pretty prolific passers. So I, I don't know. I just – there's something different about the Ravens this year. I'm not confident they win 10 games. Nine and eight feels right. Ten and seven, you could convince me of, but nine and eight feels right, dude. I feel like I'm a little worried. Maybe you are too, because I'm with you. I I had nine and eight. I, I first of all, does that make you feel more or less conf- comfortable that you and I both are like? I feel nine and eight more, like more, because I okay. feel like my my bias in the AFC North is pretty strong. So like, I, more and confidence, I actually have but... like nothing but respect for the Ravens personally. So. That right, was, like I don't. If you told me, you know, if they told me they went eleven games this year at the end yeah, of the season, I'm not going to be shocked. Right, I'm not going to be shocked. But like something about this team just doesn't feel right. It feels like they're slightly overhyped yes. going into the year, and nine and eight just feels like the right prediction. It's just like there's this like belief right now that you have Odell coming in, that you have Todd Munkin coming in, that somehow Greg Roman 
was holding this offense back to your point, David. He made Colin Kaepernick look like the greatest quarterback for about two <laughs> months of the NFL, where I'm like, this guy's changing the NFL forever. And it was maybe Greg Roman doing it a little bit. So I, I think I'm completely with you. I'm low on Odell. I'm, I am excited about Zay Flowers. I do think he will be a good pro. But, I mean, you need Lamar to hit the ground running. And there's just so many question marks on, on both sides of the ball. Clays Campbell's the leader of this football team. He's gone. Like a fart in the wind, he is gone. And <laughs> like the, the, here's the thing, too. They have their left guard that is going to start this year as a six-rounder. I have to bring up his name because he is rookie guard out of Oregon and one of the best names I've ever seen. Malai Solo, Amuvai Laulu. Good job, Walter. <laughs> it is Unreal to even try to get that guy's name right. But anyways, great name. But it's just like, they're just like another unproven spot that can muck up the works. It's just like all of the team, there's questions. Nine and eight feels perfect, David. I'm with you on the under, except I have the nine and eight coming in in fourth. Steven. So I'm really not that far off. I have him at 10 and seven. So I'm also taking the under. So there's probably a coin flip game that we all kind of decided uh, the other side. But I think you all summed up everything perfectly. Uh, the the desperate change at OC is what they what they needed, but they didn't do a lot of crazy changes on the offensive side of the ball. Good job, you got Odell, you got Zay Flowers in a in a team that we have no trust in the passing offense. I still am I'm still standing on my soapbox. I don't believe in Lamar. This is a guy who's been injury ridden since uh, for the really the past two years, and you can argue that every quarterback within that division, eh, okay. Joey B and Deshaun, give me over Lamar Jackson because he has plateaued since his since his MVP year. Simple put it. Okay, yeah, he got another thousand yard year. That's awesome. It's it still wasn't as good as his MVP year, so you can't argue that he has gone up in play. I can argue that he's plateaued and arguably gotten worse with that as well. This defense isn't looking the same as what we're used to. Yeah, it's probably going to be a Baltimore defense. They always have something cooking on that side of the ball. When you look at the key departures, I like that. I love Calais Campbell. That is someone who could stop a run, and we'll see. I'm gonna. I'm sure Baltimore will shove my feet right in my mouth because we know what the D line that they produce over the past two decades are looking like or pass rush. So, I I just don't really like this team either. But I also have Matt Third going into ten and seven. If that foreshadows anything for you, the Cincinnati Bengals, defending AFC North champs for two consecutive years. That's back-to-back. That's right. I don't know the last time they could probably say that. that was probably the 90s, maybe even the yeah, 80s. Chris Collinsworth uh, still playing <laughs> The total is at 11.5. Last year, they did go 12-4. and four. Notice the 16 games. We talked about the DeMar Hamlin game earlier. Their key additions, it was more or less from what we believe is a pretty good draft class. Miles Murphy, the edge from Clemson. DJ Turner, the speedster corner from Michigan. And Jordan Battle, just the ironic battle-tested safety from Alabama, but they did bring in Orlando Brown, and that's something when you consider the fact that they are going to have Jonah Williams play on the right side now, that's a lot better. Layal Collins might even be back. Who knows? I don't know how that's going to play. And then Irv Smith, we've seen tight end Robin Hood and Joe Burrow turn C.J. Uzama, turn I didn't even know Irv Smith went to the Bengals. Oh, my God. That's why. He's like, I'm going to take a first-round tight end. That's cool. I'm going to get paid. Irv, he's on my di- big Irv. Irv. He's, on my, uh, he's on my dynasty team. 
So I'm pretty pumped about that right now. I might, I might be flexing <laughs> well, here's a lot the, this year. So here's the thing. I'll, I'll start with just my picks real quick, and I'll throw it over to you guys, see what your guys' thoughts are, just because you guys know I like the Bengals. I root for them. I don't even try to you? hide that. Oh, stop. Oh, I know. It's it's the same way as uh, David in his anti-love for everybody in the AFC North. But I, I do have them barely hitting the over. And I mean barely. I have them at 12 and 5 and 4 and 2. And I just don't think this is as much of a slam dunk as a lot of people do. Uh, you have a brand new secondary. A, a, literally a brand new secondary that's going to be broken in. And last year, we got to see this Bengals team start slow. And I personally believe a large part of that was the appendectomy that Joe Burrow was fighting through to start the year. They started 0-2. He's coming off a calf strain. And they start with the Browns and the Ravens. If they start 0-2 again, they're not going to win this division. I don't think they do. But I disagree. You think they would still win the division if they start 0-2, yes. you're saying? Or you di- Okay. Oh, no, all right, that's, I mean, that's fair. They have the talent to do it. It's just, I think that the North is so good, you can't start behind the eight ball because one of the other three teams could catch lightning in a bottle. While I agree with you, I also think the Bengals are the only team capable of winning more than 11 games this year. And let's say, even if they go two and four in the North, which is would be a shocking failure on the year, right? Uh, they went I, three and three last year. Right, but like two and four would be a shocking they can't failure in my opinion. But uh, which is funny enough as it is, but um, I even if they start zero and two, I still think they come out on top of the division. I, for me, it's the easiest pick for a division winner. I think they're the only clear choice. Joey Burrow is going to run the North. Uh, whether he goes two and four in the North and wins eleven other games, I, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I just think. I think the Bengals are a good team. I agree with you, Wally. The secondary is a question mark. Losing Jesse Bates is actually a lot larger than people think on the defense. I think same side. with Von Bell. Like yeah, they, they lost I, both starting in very good yeah, safeties. And and quietly good too. Like you didn't really hear about Jesse yes. Bates unless you were following the Bengals like beat writers, fan base, whatever. You didn't really hear about him until his contract came up. And then you started hearing more and more about how good he was. Um, Eli Apple's also shockingly a pretty large loss for them. Thank like, you. Uh, Thank like, you. I don't like Eli Apple. I think he's all mouth, but he is he is a very good second, third tier corner. Yeah, people and, people hate right. him because he talks like a top right. five corner. Right. It's not and, he's still a good corner. Right. He's no, still he's good. I, I think their secondary is a huge, huge loss. However, as we've seen again and again with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. With with Tom Brady and the Patriots, with you know, it doesn't matter when you have a top quarterback, you can win yep. ten plus games, right? And if yep. you told me the Bengals won the division at ten and seven, I would believe you. I would like this is this the AFC North could be a shocker. Three teams could not win nine games, like, and I wouldn't. It wouldn't be surprising to me. This Look could at the be, AFC West last right, year, right? It's like true. it's it's there's a lot of shit that can go down in the AFC North. All the teams have the talent to win ten games. Do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. There's going to be a couple surprises. There's going to be, you know, for all I know, the Bengals will win the division at 10 and 7, like I said. But this pick for me, the oh, it's not the over-under that's easiest. It's if I can bet on the Bengals winning the division, that's the easiest pick for me. And and right now, if you run the schedule like we have in, in the predictor, 
every time I do this, it comes out to the Bengals winning 11, 12, maybe even 13 games if on a good, really good season. So I have them at 12 and five. I I've taken the over, but again, I wouldn't bet on the over on that particular number. The only thing I would bet on for the Bengals is division winners. No, I like that. I'm, Hey, this is a clean sweep, boys. I got the over at them. I, I have them at 12-5 and five as well. Have them winning the division if that's going to foreshadow anything. But the big question mark is Joey B gonna, is going to be healthy. We're hearing mixed reviews of, oh, he's going to miss the first week or two. Oh, no, he's going to be ready. I think because of how Cincinnati is going to start, they need Joe Burrow right then and there. He's, been, he's proven time after time he can step in and play. He can at least make them competitive. The thing that's really tough is their schedule is their schedule is rough. They have they have a lot of 50-50 games. If you're gonna if you're gonna put in the divisional games, you know I'm, you got one against Kansas City. I want to say you got another one against Buffalo. I, I want to say you have one against me, the Jets as well. There's just eight. There's so many 50-50 games. Um, so the division is going to be a bloodbath, and you really only have three dog walks here. You have like, you have the bottom tier teams. I want to say all of Carolina, Houston, as well as Vegas. But I really like their secondary. I've been hearing some good things. Shout out to my boy Peter Schrager, Cam Taylor Britt on those top ten breakout players. I actually am all about there. Cam Taylor Britt here too, taking a big Dax jump. Hill. He's, he was solid. Nothing really to write home about, but he had some pretty solid combo there. So I don't think they're going to be in as bad of a shape as they have because I like what they've done with the rush, or I I like what the rush that they bring. Um, Cincinnati does. They re-signed your boy to the linebacker there. I just I like them a lot. Give me the division winner. Give me twelve and five. Stupid, hit me over. stupid final comment. Uh, just because it's you know I'm a draft guy, but I want your guys' thoughts as people that like the draft, but maybe not are like you know obsessed with it. They have had a very unique strategy. It feels like in the last few years, where they draft exclusively power five guys. What this year it was Clemson. Michigan, Alabama, first three picks. Not only are they power five, they're high-level power five guys. In a weird way, I, it feels kind of like, again, talking out of both sides of my mouth because I hate when people pigeonhole positions with schools. But I kind of like the idea of drafting guys that you know are going against NFL talent week in and week but out. But that's the thing is, is as college football shifts to – I mean, it's not, I don't even consider it a power five anymore. It's really like three conferences own, you know, 80% of the talent. And if you really want to hedge your bet in drafting, you're going to draft from schools out of the SEC, out of the Big Ten, and, you know, out of the ACC maybe. But, like, you Certain really want to hedge your bet, draft out of the SEC and the Big yeah. Ten. And, well, it's positional you, know, you can choose your – your your quarterbacks aren't going to follow that that trend, but like your skill position players out of the SEC and Big Ten, your linemen out of the Big Ten, out of the you know out, out of SEC the um, right, like yeah, either or you picked you pick prolific players from those teams and those conferences. You know you're hedging a bet. You're that's what it's going to become, and eventually as the as college football shifts to what I think it's going to become, which is. You know, there's there's going to be, and it's already kind of there where it's two conferences really own football, but we're going to get to a point where where the Pac-12 isn't really a competitive conference, and you've got people jumping ship into the SEC, into the Big Ten. The ACC was dominant at one time when Florida State was around and actually competitive when um, uh, Miami, who else? Miami was Miami. competitive. 
Right, like, but those schools aren't really Virginia competitive Tech. anymore. Right, but those schools yeah. aren't competitive anymore. You really only have Clemson, and I hate Dabo, and that team isn't the same without a quarterback. So I just, I, you know, it's SEC Big Ten. We're going to come to a, a, a place in college football where that might actually be a smart draft choice for a couple of years where you hedge your bets by just drafting. In the early rounds, you draft from those those conferences, and in the later rounds, you start taking risks on outside of those conferences. All right, David. Well, there's no more floating around. Your Cleveland Browns are up Fuck next. I see what you're doing here, bub. You're trying not to get to the Cleveland. Yeah, he was like, yeah. let me drive oh, yeah. my oh, feet. Oh, as you see, did you guys notice all the Pac-12? Yeah, so the Cleveland Browns are set at over <laughs> nine and a half. Cleveland at, Clowns, baby. At their at their win total. Last year, they ended up seven and ten, so we all know what they had here. They had some awesome additions. Um, departures, really not that many. John Johnson, David's boy. Jacoby Brissett, David's boy, one B. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, one C, and then Greedy, and then Greedy Williams. I'd probably go like top five uh, that you love him. But David, this is your team. You you are the resident Brown resident Browns fan. How are the Brownies doing this year, Bob? Oh, it's so painful. All white unis, so painful, painful because white, no matter how I, no matter how I come out, show. No, no matter how I come out in this in these predictors, it always ends up like Super literally. I've done this three times, and whether the Browns are uh, like eleven wins, ten wins, or nine wins, they are second in the division, and they miss the playoffs. And then I have to absolutely suffer through Stefanski getting fired and the cycle of shit starting all over again. And I'm mentally preparing for that before the season, but like. I have them going 10 and seven. I have them three and three in the division. I think they split with all the teams, whoever's, you know, the home game or, you know, I just think they split with all the teams. I'm, I have them missing the wild card at 10 and seven. Uh, I'm, I'm prepared for, for drastic failure and drastic disappointment. And I'm just mentally preparing myself for that. And I'm sad about it, but I've come to grips with it. This is, Perhaps the pick I'm most up in the air on, especially this week in terms of a a team total. Everything on paper makes you think that this team should be significantly better, that they should be in fact, Eagles, dare I baby. say, <laughs> very good. But it's just, it comes down, first of all, to Deshaun Watson. And is he pre-COVID, pre-allegation Deshaun Watson? Or was he last year, Deshaun Watson? That changes everything. It's literally not worth even almost talking about anything else just because if he is the top five quarterback he was, the Browns can win the Super Bowl. If he is what they were last year, the Browns will win seven games and it will get blown up and we're going to be right back to square one that we were before. So it comes down to that. It should work, but alas, we'll see. The Brownies. Give me the over on the Brownies. And I have this squad winning 11 games this year. Wow. Oh, I had 10, by the way. I should have said that. Good job, Steven, though. I know. But both of you guys had it. So oh, I, think I didn't another, know if I said another it. Coin flip, another coin flip here. But Cleveland got rid of the right people, right? They didn't get a, they didn't get rid of a lot. They got, they got rid of the right people. I love the addition of Elijah Moore that you had there. You added him with Cedric, um, Cedric Tillman into your, into your draft class. 
Deshaun Watson with the full drama-free, quote-unquote drama-free offseason. Nick Chubb finally being the bell cow that you've been waiting for. But the most important and best addition on the fucking team is Jim Schwartz. Adding Zadarius Smith to go opposite side, Miles Garrett. If you don't realize how big of a difference a defensive coordinator is going to look at, look at even look at like the late season twitch without TJ Watt a little bit and the Steelers last year that kept him alive. Look at Dan Quinn and what he did to the Cowboys. Jim Schwartz is going to come in and just completely revamp his defense. I'm not fully buying into the the whole malarkey of Rex Ryan comparing him to the 85 Bears and being better because that is a lot to ask for when you haven't even seen a team play. But you got the guy knows a lot about ball. You can honestly look at it. I would argue that maybe the Browns actually have a harder schedule than Cincinnati. You, they have a couple different teams that flop, like Cincinnati plays the Bills, but the Browns play the Jets, right? So it's you could argue, depending on how a couple teams phase out, what team is going to be better. I have a lot of confidence in the Browns. I like what they did defensively. Deshaun Watson, to your point, Wally, sniffs top 10. I think that this team can really do some damage. They're, They're loaded. loaded. They Top 10. That's all you need. You don't even need the top five guy I said. You need top 10. That's all they're asking. I'm with you, but I'm also really sad. And, and <laughs> Stephen, you mentioned Nick Chubb is the bell cow. I just want you to be prepared for later this season. when I've I, It's Sunday night. I've perused Twitter, and I have seen about 1,000 Browns fans watch Jerome Ford get three carries and want to fire Stefanski for not giving Nick Chubb 30 carries a game. Facts. We are on the ball more. Yeah, like I, I Browns fans are the absolute worst when it comes to Nick Chubb. The Muni Law Browns fans is all you need to know. Oh, best fans in the world, Muni Law. Oh, of course they are. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Total eight and a half. Yinza. The Yinzers. Didn't get a yin. Didn't get a yin's when I was there. I was kind of upset. You were in Cranberry. It's fake Pittsburgh. They would, yeah, it's yeah. Come on, come on. I mean, it'd be like the same way. I'm trying to think. Cleveland, uh, David, what would you call where it, it may be like Hudson or something? Where you're like, that's that's kind of like that's snooty. That ain't like who we actually are. Kind of a thing. That that's kind of what I was thinking of. I'm surprised Anyways. you remember that from your limited time living here. Steel trap. Are you kidding me? I was going to say they're, they're four years, basically born and bred, <laughs> basically, and it's the same thing. But they went nine and eight last year, three and three in division. Let's start with their uh, another draft class that looks pretty good on paper. They brought in Broderick Jones, the offense attack from Georgia in the first round. Joey Porter Jr. recognize the name, I'm sure you do. Second rounder from Penn State. Keanu Benton, interior defensive lineman from Wisconsin, and then Darnell Wright, oh, Washington. I'm said Darnell Wright. We'll get to him. Darnell Washington, though, he is a third round tight end from Georgia who's getting. Crazy reviews from camp right now with what he's doing, not only as a blocker, but as a receiver, too. They brought in Isaac Samalo from Philadelphia, linebacker Cole Holcomb from Washington, Patrick Peterson from Quarter. They had a lot of big ads. They don't. Now, unfortunately, they did lose quite a few linebackers, Devin Bush, Robert Spillane, the plumber, Miles Jack, and Cameron Sutton. So, boys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I know this one's going to be fun. Where do we have them at? Give me the over. I, dude, Mike Tomlin smoked me last year. I, I think I'm the one who took – I took a 
last year to be his first losing season. Again, no, he humbled me. It looked good until about November. Yep, as it, as it usually does. But they added a bunch of young talent. You couple that with a lot of the veterans that you listed off there uh, on both sides of the ball, right? A, a healthy TJ Watt for however many, the first six, seven weeks, maybe if we get that long. Um, Kenny's getting some love out of camp, maybe not as much. But what I'm really looking for is that George Pickens breakout season. Uh, Wally, I know you're on my back with uh, that one, bud. Uh but all in all, like, it's hard to bet against Mike Tomlin. You know, coaching is going to get you really far, and you have the best coach in the division. Uh, so I think they can do that. They're, they're waiting to take that second-year leap with a couple of these people on the offensive uh, offensive side of the ball. A lot of young talent that they're not really built to win right now, but they're built um, to ruin maybe a lot of playoff runs here come late in the year. And then again, just to hit this over, to, to be 9-8, and eight, extend Mike Tomlin's record of no, another non-losing season. Go ahead, Wally. After you, David. No, get it no. out. Get it out. No, no, wrong, you no, no. Get no, it out. You no. probably have the Steelers going 17-0. I boycotted. I boycotting. No, I. who knows if I even like the Steelers this year. I probably oh, have them with only yeah, three wins, Oh, yeah, just like you don't sure. like the Bengals, David, let's I'm hear sure. from you. Anyways, uh, I'm... I actually don't like the Steelers. This is where this, like, belief that I have a bias Look gets here. me. I do not Look like here. them. Bullshit. Anyways, under... I have them at eight and nine. I like every team in the league. Uh, I have them at eight and nine. I have them going two and four in the division. You can convince me they're going to go nine and eight. Uh, you know, it would take a lot of selling to make me think they're going to win 10 games or more. I The defense can only carry this team so far. I don't believe in Kenny Pickett. I like, uh, you might as well be Mitch Trubisky. I don't care for him. I don't think he's going to be good. And ultimately, he's the thing that holds this entire team back. Um, I just I wouldn't bet on this team as far as I could throw TJ Watt. George Pickens, though, man, he'll, he'll probably catch it. Oh my God! Here, Here we, we go. go. Here we go. The Pittsburgh Steelers will not only hit the over. I should have actually changed that. Pittsburgh's going to probably make the wild card game and lose in the first round. <laughs> they will win 11 games this year. They 11? I'm so... Where? I'm Where? so... They're going to have to win 11 team. games if George I'm Pickens is going to get 150 so... catches for 17,000 yards. Yeah, because like that's the bet we is. have. He might. He might. That's well, how he's going to get exactly like 95 for 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns. I said 1,300, and I wish I said 14. I feel low. But Kenny Pickett's going to take a huge step. George Pickens is going to become a force. And Mike Tomlin may win coach of the year. T.J. Watt may play win defensive player of the year. If you got red paint. I'm not biased. Kenny Pickett's going to be amazing. How am I biased? I'm biased apparently for every team in football. That's apparently who I am. I'm biased for everybody. Well, where any anyways, I picked the Steelers to win like five games last year. I was low on Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett is going to be RC Cola Derek Carr. And I think with this roster, like that's Cola more than a nut. If you got if you got red paint, you paint your barn red. Those are the words from Mike Tomlin. And the way I look at it is that if this team's a paint bucket, all it says is 11 wins. There is 11 wins all <laughs> over this team. And I'm painting it all over them. 
So you know what? Oh my god! Seriously, my biggest problem with this team is probably the linebacker position. Outside of that, I mean, the offensive line should at least be serviceable. The wide receivers are going to be. I have George Pickens being basically fringe. Yeah, so you know what? I'm comfortable with this. Eleven wins. And I'm 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 married to this take. You'll call me you'll think I'm a Steelers fan by the end of the year at this rate. My goes the Bengals win the division at twelve and five. Okay. The Steelers and when I say a nuts hair, it was that close. If I had the Steelers beating the Bengals one time, it could have flipped, but I didn't. I have the Steelers going second at eleven and six, the Browns third missing the playoffs at ten and seven, and then the Ravens fourth missing the playoffs as well at nine and eight. I love. It. How do you have them winning eleven games and going two and four in the division? Because this team—it's <laughs> all about heart and soul, baby. Just how you started that. Wait until this week team. one. Eleven games. They can't go five hundred in division. Wait, hold on, Wally. Do you have a beating San Fran Week One? You paint your barn red. What was that, Steven? Do you have a beating San Fran Week One? I was just bringing that up. You wait until Week One. Move on to the fucking. I have it. I have it too. I have it too. And I had the Browns bit winning Week One, and I think all of a sudden we got ourselves a fun little division, boys. Yo, I got the Steelers. I got the uh, Steelers winning Week One. Why am I here? Hey, th- hey! This is voluntary. This is vo- this is completely voluntary. You, you know what? I just want it. I'll, I'll wear it, and I'll wear it when I'm wrong. Won't be wrong though. The NFC North. Let's start with the man who feels like his name's been brought up as much as anyone on this podcast, Adam Alfonso. His Chicago Bears, Duh Bears, bear down. Total set seven and a half. Last year went three and fourteen, zero and six in the division. They did bring in Darnell Wright. Told you we'd get back to him. First round tackle out of Tennessee. Running like a wide they receiver. Also, what'd you say? Running like a wide receiver. He runs. Well, he thinks he's a wide receiver. He's got to train like one. It's the only way he thought he was going to pass a conditioning test. They didn't say that Tennessee is always the greatest undergrad, but that's okay. They traded for DJ Moore as well. Eh, you know, they traded for DJ Moore with Carolina. That's how they lost that number one pick. They signed Yannick Ngakwe, tight end Robert Tunyon, RIP Steven, linebacker TJ Edwards, and guard Nate Davis. Brought in a lot with that cap that they had. Their big losses really only are Riley Reef, Nicholas Morrow, and of course Alex Leatherwood that had to be brought up. Of course it did. Boys, it did. I mean, he was a first-round pick. Uh, where do we have him? Seven and a half is the total. You buying into any of this uh, Chicago heat or not really? Over. Okay. Yes, okay. but barely. Over. Eight and nine. And I have them three and three in the division. I think the Bears get slightly better, drastically better offensively, but slightly better overall. Division slightly worse. I think Justin Fields takes a step forward to keep them close to 500. Maybe they go nine and eight. Um, but ultimately, I think the defense holds them back tremendously um i i just I, I think the defense is why they can't get to 10 wins period yeah and that's that's kind of a that's one of my talking points on here as well but i also have chicago on the over um this is a wide open division right this could this is chicago's best chance since they won the division in 2018 uh, to really maybe maybe be able to get another one underneath their belt but you saw you saw how much better justin fields and the offense got once 
the further away from their original game plan they got. Once they started really making the offense for Justin Fields and opening it up for him to make those runs, and then let's be real. Yes, they were freaky athletic runs, but a lot of those were lucky where they're just broken plays and Justin Fields made plays out of it. So kudos to him, but they weren't drawn up like that a lot of the times. But um, they didn't lose much. They added a lot in free agency. They made great draft picks here, and they even have some money left over for next year. So this isn't a team that's built to win this year, but with how open and this not only the state of the North, but what the NFC as a whole looks like, I also had them competing for a wild card spot. Going to be at that eight-win mark. Um, but a lot of eyes, to your point, David, on that defensive side of the ball. Yes, they added Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards to the um, to the linebacking core. But there's still some question marks as well as their offensive line play. Yes, we can give kudos um, to drafting, but it doesn't matter until we actually see them play and what the other you know four, four or three other linemen are going to be able to play like. So that is their biggest Achilles heel, which is the line and the defensive side of the ball. I still have Chicago going over just because how weak the NFC is as, as a whole. Sorry, I had to take a piss. What Am I up? Yep. All right. Had to catch a little breath there. Well, are you there? David, did you say something? Jesus Christ, did you sprint to the bathroom? Why are you out of breath? I do it downstairs for a beer or for a drink. <laughs> for a fucking... Uh... Grapefruit. It's black cherry for, for okay, the record. Okay, that's respectable. Though. Thank you. Thank you. I got the Mickeys here, buddy boy. So, the Bears over at 8-9. Eight, nine, eight, eight, they're hearing this gasping stuff in here. So, <laughs> I, I so good, dude. I love it. They're going to they're gonna hear that whole conversation because I'm just like, ah, they have to know why I'm gasping. Otherwise, they're like, what's going on? <laughs> All eyes are on Justin Fields. Every single one, it's like Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. That is going to determine so, so, so much. In theory, the O-line should be upgraded. The wide receiver is immediately better with DJ Moore. Defense has a ton of new faces. Not necessarily all great, but a lot of new faces. Packers and Vikings should, in theory, regress. The Lions have yet to prove it. The Bears were 1-7 in in one-possession games last year. They were the anti-Vikings. I'm not in love with this take, but I also think Fields is going to take, like, if he takes this step, this team is a dark horse to win this division because of where the division's at. Eric Kramer's the name I had to bring up. 3,838 yards. He is the all-time leading single-season Bears quarterback in passing yards. No team, a quarterback on their team has ever hit 4,000. If the Bears are going to be competitive. That's wild. 3,800. That's the highest ever. Yeah, still not good. But Justin Fields, if this team is going to have a chance, if this team's going to be competitive, he has to be at least there or in the neighborhood. But I've got the over. Detroit Lions. Their over-under is 9.5. I'm still – we're fighting through it, boys. We're fighting through it. Last year they went 9-8. They brought in Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell in the first round. People are scratching their head at those. But they sound like they're going to be impact rookies. Sam Laporta, second-round tight end. Brian Branch, second-round safety. David loved that pick. And then don't forget, Hendon Hooker, third-round quarterback, a guy that they can kind of keep on ice if they decide to move on from Jared Goff after the year. They did lose a couple guys. You'll know them, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, Mike Hughes, Evan Brown, DJ Shark, Jeff Okuda. The thing for me, guys, 
I'm going with the under. I have them winning the division. I have them winning the division at nine and eight. But okay. culture's such a weird thing in sports to try to kind of quantify as a fan. We're obviously aware of it. It helps us appreciate things like we know how amazing what happened in New England was because of the culture in New England with Bill Belichick, with Ernie Adams, Robert Kraft, Tom Brady. But David, you and I also know the bad culture side of things. We know what's happened in the last 30 years to our franchises because of culture. It is a thing. It is real. And Lions fans know it too. 1993 was the last time this team won a division title. It is going to take exorcism, like exorcism of demons to get it done. And it's going to happen, but it's going to be hard. There's no way they win this division by like three, four games. It won't be easy. They will win it, but they are going to have to fight tooth and nail. I have them beating the Bears by one game at 9-8. and eight. The under's there, but I tell you what, if they win the division, Motown ain't going to give two shits on how they did it. So I hope it happens. Even with the under, let's go Lions. 10 and 7. Over. 10 and 7. 10 wins. Go Lions. They're the division winner and they're America's new team. <laughs> America's new team. I, well, if America is just us three on this podcast, then absolutely. This is America's new team. This is America's team, baby. I'm, Fuck the Cowboys. The Lions are America's new team. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm with David on this. I ha- also have a 10 and 7. I have the winning division like all three of us, I assume, do, but I don't want to ruin anything from David if he's keeping something in the back pocket. It feels like it was just yesterday, Wally. It was just me and you, and we were talking about how the hell – is four and a half the Lions win total. I'm nailing the under on this. I can't find yeah, two it wins. It should be two. And yep. now look at me. Not you. Look at look at us looking at David. We're nailing the over on this. Um, it's a different, it's just a different team this year. I'm, I'm not going to be hammering them. I'm not going to say it's, you know, the times have completely changed and I'm hammering this over, but I'm pretty confident in the over for them to be 10 and 7. Revamp team. Um, they they added pure talent to their roster. And you talked about Jameer Gibbs, your boy Sam Laporta, and then you had Brian Branch there, who made, um, all of a sudden, kind of made a splash a little bit sooner than we, people were thinking because of injuries there in the offseason, because of the addition of C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who got hurt, ended up being okay. Had the addition to Sam, or Cam Sutton, excuse me, to, to your secondary room. I love this. And if they can even sniff a th- a fourth, a third of what that offensive production was last year, obviously just that's a little bit ridiculous. But if they can continue that with what seems to be better players on that roster, don't forget about the addition of David Montgomery to switch up that running back room. Dude, I like this team a lot. And um, you guys say it a lot, but this is not the year for me to get tired of it. I I am rooting for the Lions so hard. Wrap up the North, be that team. Maybe it'll be a different beat that I'm uh, drumming up next year. But as of right now, let's go. Motor City, baby. I'm going to go buy a Ford right now. Model T. Ooh. I was going to say, look at you. Getting in your Honolulu blue, arms wrapped around your buddies, and then staring off at Adam Alfonso. That's a sad day for him. But that's all right. Oh, I know. I love that. I love that. It's like, um, it's, I feel, it's like that meme of Master Splinter with all like the, the little, the little Ninja Turtles. When they get old. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like Button and Brock and my other Detroit And Lions you're the buddies. old Splinter now. Yeah, now the old Splinter. Like, come on, buddy. We still yeah, fucking hate Aaron Rodgers, but looking. you were nice to us. 
<laughs> I was gonna say Adam Alfonso's like looking like Gollum from like Lord of the Rings, like eh, uh, like fuck these I guys. <laughs> Your Green Bay Packers total seven and a half last year, eight and nine. Three and three in division. I'm going to let you talk about your team. Let us know what they brought in. Obviously, what they lost, and let us know what your thoughts are, Stephen. Yeah. So um, obviously, a lot. There has been a huge facelift here in Green Bay, but right now, I still have them on the over. Um, the reason I have them on the over, what seven and a half? I have them right at eight and nine. So don't make it seem like I have them at like a ten. Really competing for it. I still have them finishing third in the division. Um, as, as a Packers fan, I'm, what I'm really looking forward to is what the defenses are going to be able to provide. Aaron Jones almost taking on the explanation of what I had for Nick Chubb, really taking on that bell cow role, hopefully, with A.J. Dillon in the ranks. What that young um, wide receiver room is going to look like. Obviously, Jordan Love is going to be the number one question mark. I'm not hopping on his train because of what Packers Twitter or social media is looking at based off his, min- or his minimal time and small sample size in the preseason. I think it's good he's made some good throws. I've also seen some really ugly throws that are, should be raising eyebrows here. But um, Green Bay's schedule really isn't that bad. you got games against New Orleans at Denver. We'll see what that looks like. But a young quarterback in that against that defense. The Chargers, we'll see how Detroit looks up and then Kansas City. But then you have games against Carolina. I'm not high on Tampa Bay. What are the Rams going to be like? Atlanta. Sorry, Wally, your Vegas Raiders. So I think Green Bay can come out pretty hot with maybe a little bit of momentum starting off in this in this offseason uh, of, of the playoff in the pre or excuse me the preseason that they've seen of Jordan Love. Um, maybe that can carry him off to to start off hot. But post week ten, it is such a gauntlet for Green Bay. Like, let me get this up here. I was going to say, pull, or yeah, you got it operated for Post-week 10, you got at Pittsburgh, against against the Chargers, at Detroit, against Kansas City, at New York Giants, but we'll see how that game, how that team's looking like, against Tampa Bay, against Carolina, and then you finish the, the season off with Minnesota and um, Chicago, which we'll get to Minnesota here, but nonetheless. That four-game stretch that you started with there is atrocious. Yeah. It's. It's rough. You said Pittsburgh, uh, the Chargers. Detroit, and then Kansas City. Detroit. Yeah, those are all tough. Yeah, I, exactly. I might have had you losing. And I have – um, I don't have them winning a single one. I have them going on a four-game four losing streak during that time. So I'm winning a single one. At the same time, though, you know what sucks about picking this, David, is like when you go to the Chargers, what you have to do is just win-lose, 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 win-lose. So then it gets really hard. That's how I have them. I got to finish eight and nine, eight and nine, going third in the division, uh, and hitting the over still though. Follow up real quick before we get to David and his thoughts. I know that you were low at the moment on the the Packers draft. What do you need to see? Whether it be at a Lucas Van Ness, whether it be at a Luke Musgrave, whether it be at a Jaden Reed, anybody. What do you need to see out of this rookie class to be like? You know what? Step back. We're in the right direction. I'm all aboard. So with Lucas Van Ness, just like an instant, damn, because we already have Rashawn Gary. You, you want to feel he's on the field, yeah, right exactly, because he's getting compared to that T.J. Watt s type player. So you you realized who that was. So I'm expecting a Bosa brothers, Chase Young, um, T.J. Watt type effect. Where you're like, man, I really should have just probably shut the fuck up right away um Luke, Luke Musgraves is getting a lot of love we'll see what that's going to look like 
Um, but also, I'm interested to see what Tyler Kraft is going to look like. Someone you know that I like. Oh, true. You did we push a little bit on. But I think that would help soften the blow if I have any pushback on Luke Musgrave. Because I'm like, well, Tyler Kraft, we could have gotten him later on. It would have been just fine. Uh, and then, obviously, Jalen Reed. There's a lot of question marks with that. I've seen a lot of good things. Uh, he's had positive reviews based off what he's lined up in a preseason against the twos and threes. That's really where you can kind of gauge if he's going to be something. Yeah, for sure. But um, Lucas Van Ness immediately, especially with that defense and what they have and the amount of talent they put into it, the immediate and that defense as a whole should, needs to be immediately impactful. I hope it happens. I'm fired up. I'm fired up for Iowa Hercules. Iowa I'll, Hercules. I'll spitfire mine real quick. What'd you say? I, Hawkeye Hercules, by the way, is way better. Hawkeye Hercules. Oh, yeah, either one. He's Hercules. Alliteration. Basically, baby. he's Come the on. guy you're, that just bull rushes. You're the doctor, hey, you're the doctor of English. You should love uh, alliteration. I did appreciate that. Very much so, actually. But I'll spitfire this just so, David, you, you, I think you're probably with me. I had them at the under, but then I hated my life when I looked back at the blind divisions. Or like our blind doing this where you just peck every game. Because... Until it happens, it goes to the culture thing again. It's so hard for me to pick the Bears to finish out of the Packers. And that's what I'm doing because I have the Bears one game over and I have the Packers one game under. And that's what makes me uncomfortable because, Steven, what do the Packers do in the NFC North? They don't lose. They beat the NFC North. If you play an NFC North opponent, it was like the Steelers for the longest time, like the Chiefs are right now in division for the AFC West. It's just chalk it up as a W. We're winning that game. And I, I just hate my guts for but, going with the under. Do it. Fuck that. It's Here's not, why. It's not bad. Here's yeah. why you need to stop feeling about it. Well, bad about it, Wally. The Packers have been spoiled with 30 years of consecutive Hall of Fame quarterback sad? play. No, I have them under at six and eleven. I think the Packers are walking to a new era for the first time in 30 years. They have dog shit at quarterback. And I, 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 but that's about it. I do, and that's no, about it. Dog though. shit at quarterback. They're going. That to, is about it. They're going to get they're a wrong. taste of being bad for how long? Who knows? But this team isn't good. And I give them six wins because they have a solid coaching staff. Uh, and I, I like. I don't love the division. It's weak. But I just. I. I don't. I don't think the Packers are the Steelers. I don't think that without uh, a Hall of Fame quarterback play, they're going to win you know, nine games because oh, winning culture. I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, eight games is the over, but still, even, even then, you know, you know, buying to the eight games. No, which is, they're definitely not the Steelers. I can definitely back that up, but I just think I'm opposite. I don't think their coach staff is, is as good or give them as much credit as you're giving them. I think defensive side of the ball, especially their roster is loaded with a lot of, with a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball. Real quick, why are we so quick to dismiss that the Packers are the Steelers? The Super Bowls is very fair, and I give you that. And appearances, but too. three of those Super Bowls for the Steelers were in the 70s. We've seen two since, what, uh, I guess probably even before. Yeah, because we've seen three. two in the last 25, 30 years. Three. Uh, appearances. Same with the Packers. Well, four appearances, three Super Bowls, right? Big Ben's got two, lost one, and then... Do the Packers have a, a top five defense in the NFL this year? That's what I need to know. No, no. If the top seven, no, then they're not the Steelers. I think top if, seven. If, I don't. I, it, without without TJ Watt, 
without this I'm incredible about a without Mika Fitzpatrick. A macro look. The Steelers have had a, a again Hall of Fame quarterback after you know, and so and then Packers when they didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback, they had one, top yeah. defenses in the NFL in an era where you just ran a lot, right? So if the Packers don't have a top five defense in the NFL, I'm I'm not giving them the the Steelers treatment of we're going to put them at eight and nine or nine and eight because hey, historically they've won a lot. I they don't they have no idea what this new era looks like without. Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre at the helm. And do we forget pre-Brett Favre what that looks like for the Packers? Horrific. I don't like That was 30 years ago, though. Don't care. That's the last time we fucking saw him without a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, but I know, but it's I I agree with Wally, but I agree with you. It's like we you can't expect another Hall of Fame, but you also can't expect the absolute worst and just be like, oh, well, based off 30 years ago. This team, it's just like they have a high floor. It's a good place to play. People like playing there. They typically have the resources to do well. I just, I'm not saying to pack. Yeah. I have them at seven and no. 10. I just, and like, I, have met, I just, yeah. they feel I, like we're, the Steelers We're all coin flips away from each other. And I'm not, yeah. Again, it's just like, yeah. Like, it's just like, to me, like the, the Packers are a blue collar team that, yeah, they've had a couple Hall of Fame quarterbacks. The Steelers have had a Hall of Fame quarterback for about two thirds of the same period. I, just I don't know. I, just, up I feel like bit. there's a lot of similarities. They own their divisions periodic. I mean, I don't know. Anyways, our last team. Nah, I don't know if anybody's excited. Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this shit one Kings. Uh, I yeah. over under eight and a half. Damn. Last year they went thirteen and four, which is the most fraudulent thirteen and four season maybe in the history of the NFL. Minus three point differential. Yeah. They they add Jordan Addison, uh, Dean Lowry, Marcus Davenport, Brian uh, Byron Murphy. Uh, they lose Thielen, Zadarius Smith, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Tomlinson, Eric Kendricks, Patrick Peterson, and Irv Smith. I personally I have this team going under at eight and nine. I still like this team a lot offensively. I treat them kind of like the Bears in Me this too. division, where I think the offense keeps them competitive, keeps them around the eight win range, but ultimately their defense is their downfall and the reason why they can't get over 500. Um, I have, you know, same record as the Bears. I just think that they're really even teams in terms of strong on offense, horrific on defense. I, you know, they're in a weak division, so they'll win some divisional games, but eight and nine feels right. You could convince me this team wins five games. You could convince me they win... 10 it'd be hard to convince me 10 but like i fuck no seven eight wins feels right for the vikings yeah i i actually even have them at six Uh, i have six and 11 with the under i mentioned the minus three point differential they were nine games over 500 it's one of the funniest stats of all time to me i the team to me is going to cliff dive and not only cliff dive i think they're going to do it in spectacular fashion i just kind of hope the wilfs family doesn't move on from Kevin O'Connell and from Kwesi Adolfo Mensa because to David's point with the Browns, it feels similar where it's just like, are you just making a move to make a move at that point? And the Vikings, like this is Kirk Cousins last year with the team. Yes. They just, fans have to be smart sometimes and realize, hey, we're in a transition period as a football team and we got to be patient with that. I hope they are. We, we probably won't see that. But I do have the under. I, the offense will be sharp at least. I just the defense is going to be a lot to overcome. How are you gonna How are you gonna tell me that a six and eleven team is about to have a sharp offense, Walter? 
Because I think the defense is going to be Raiders ish. Oh my god, it's going to be worse than the Raiders. No, I'm with you. I I have Minnesota. <laughs> I have I have Minnesota at six and eleven. I think this team is going to be really bad. We talked about, and you've already mentioned how ridiculous their one possession game record was last year. That always comes back and fixes itself the year the year following. You lost every Pro Bowl talent you had. I don't care if it was veteran and maybe a couple years off of it, or if it was Dalvin Cook. Uh, that's coming out of your offense or Zadarius Smith is one or two years removed. There's a lot of talent that they just lost. And now you're going to be relying on Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson and your young players and, and Jordan Addison. I just cannot see them being a good team. When you, when you look at their schedule, they got boned this year. I mean, they got not half of the year, half the games are against top, at least the top 20 in yards per game last year. The only reason why it's not more in 10 or 12 out of 18 is because Aaron Rodgers left the division. Then you had Tom Brady also leave the division as well. So this also this is going to include what you have the Eagles, you got the Lions. They, dude, they have the Bengals. It is treacherous in Minnesota. The 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 Saints that you have on there, San Fran, Kansas City, the Chargers, I mean they're they're fucked. And they don't have they don't have the they're, defensive they're prowess to even sniff six and eleven right now. I think if this is their what what's their under eight and a half hammer this this is my Detroit Lions this year they're going to be bad Kirk Cousins <laughs> last year out Kevin O'Connell they're all him and the GM are going to stay because they obviously there's no way that you're going about breaking your team up the way that they have without understanding understanding from the ownership that this is how it's going to go the next couple of years but we're going to get it right Kirk Cousins is going to be in San Fran next year to stick it to David about. Average quarterback play, then they're going to get their Super Bowl. <laughs> With that, that will bring us to an end of another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down. Retweet us on Twitter, down underscore loss. And remember, this episode is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative. David, Wally, any parting words for the fans? We'll be back next week. First time. Get used to it, boys. Two episodes a week. Next it. Monday, we'll do our AFC and NFC West previews. And we're also going to do our AFC NFC championship games with our Super Bowl picks. And then that next Thursday, you know what that means. Wings in my back. face, ready for football. Oh my football God, I can't wait. is back. And speaking of those Lions, we're going to get them with the Chiefs in the first night. I'm in a weird way, excited for that opener just because it's not the normal stale kind of one we usually get. It's usually almost like Super Bowl rematch, and it's like one of the teams is old and half the team is gone. They're not I mean, they're always, a fun, they're always a fun matchup for the record, but yeah, this is like... It feels fresh. It feels fresh. I don't know, dude. If this is a blowout, we're going to be like, why the fuck they played the oh, I, in the first week? I wanna, I'm going to be so I sad make if that the clear. Chiefs blow, out, blow them out. I will be exponentially sad. Did you know you know Dan Campbell's going to have those boys ready? To There's play. a very real it, it, chance the Lions don't start well and then turn it around, but like I will be so sad if the Lions don't start at least 500 in their first couple of games. I'm man enough to admit that I will 100% in 10 days be telling you this is the stupidest thing the NFL's ever done if the Chiefs <laughs> win like 42 to 10. But I don't believe that'll happen. So I don't think I'm going to have to do that. I'm very excited for it. How about you guys? Anything fun? Yeah, shit going on. Dude, your Buckeyes are opening up weekend, baby. 
they're playing Indiana. Indiana's they're not good. Sounds like I should be nailing the over on it. It's gambling season. See, it's weird. No, I I know where this is a you guys don't know a lot about Ohio State or Indiana going into the year, but like telling just off of the line itself, what did you think? Because I, I I have thoughts. What's the line? They're thirty point favorites with the total set at sixty. So in theory, Over. the Vegas line is saying forty five fifteen. They are on the road to Indiana, but it's just like that's a really weird opening line to me, isn't it? Feel like that's. And this isn't even Ohio State hate. That's new. You're getting new quarterback. First game feels like it's going to be a blowout by Ohio State, but not 30 points. But like, okay, more or less. But that my means question Indiana is, will score any, a little bit be, more. Well, I was going to say this is like you're looking at four bets in my mind. It's like Ohio State spread, Indiana spread, over under. Did anything jump out to you at all from that? Because I guess to me it depends. Always hit the OSU overs in the beginning. Well, it's just like, all right, so like to our point, it's like, do you believe like Indiana will probably score more than 14? If so, it's like Ohio State's going to score a million points. It's week one. It's college football. The only thing that could screw it up is the new freaking first down clock rule that makes the game like faster. Here's the question. What's the teaser over on there? That's what you're going for. Oh, knowing you. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you're a big teaser guy. It's probably going to be like 54 and a half. Yeah, that's right in my area. No, that's only six point. Give me an eight point. Give me fifty-two. I need one of these days. We're gonna have to have like a teaser corner with Steven because you're gonna have to walk us through teaser life. Because I'm not a teaser guy. Oh, dude, teaser's gonna win. But anyways, maybe maybe I'll add it on to a prop lock and drop. No, Ooh. now I need to. Uh, that Sunday episode, a little teaser corner. Uh oh, yeah. Uh, it, that remember. I'm trying to figure out the stats. You know what's gonna suck them in Indy that first week. Stats for the Ohio State, or are we talking about something else now? Stats for uh, C.J. Stroud's first game. Oh, who gives a shit? Oh, that was the Minnesota game. The Buckeyes won 45-31, to 31, I think. That's what, like, but first of all, that's shocking that you just remember that from two years ago. Buckeye fans. Like, it's well, concerning almost. Buckeye but, fans. Are well, so here's the thing. You guys know I'm obsessed with sports. It's my life. Why do you remember that from two years ago, you freakazoid? Because I was nervous. There's a chance I'm wrong. Let me check. No, I'm looking at it. You're right, but that's why I don't think it's a 30-point blowout. (laughs) I just don't. For some reason, 30 points is a lot. I was going to say, the only thing I'd say spin zone to that is that you're talking about an Indiana team. They're bad. Unlike that Minnesota one. They're bad. Their win total is three and a half. They're bad. Where Minnesota's was probably seven and a half. Right. But I just think that, like, new quarterback, like, new – I don't want to say new regime. It's not new regime. But, like, you're getting a whole saying, new though. offensive look with a different quarterback, right? And even if – it might be ten times better, right? But, like, my instinct goes, we're going to work out the kinks, wink one, still win by three touchdowns, but 30 points is a lot for me. Man. Yeah, no matter what I say, the opposite will happen, so I'll be careful. So True. All I'll just say is go Bucks. Any other final thoughts, boys? Nada. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. We're 10 days away from week one. And David, check it out. Well, you can't even see it. That's how dark these old school screens are. You can't, I can't rotate. Anyways, Game Boy, how fun is this? Things are awesome. Plane trip and everything. That's the greatest thing you can bring on a plane.
I wish I freaking had enough batteries to play it on the way back. I had it on the way oh, there. Oh, died on you? You f rip. You remember how fast these things run through batteries? It's just like I have the screen on. I'm half expecting it to go bad right now. But how far have you got? Well, I won the Mario game. I guess when you're like eight years old, games are harder than they are when you're thirty. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Pokemon game, I'm still getting my ass kicked. I probably won't play it much longer. Pokemon, Pokemon, I actually thought was easier as a kid than it is now because I'm more, I'm more conditioned to instant gratification. Whereas those old Pokemon games, man, you had to fucking work the bottom of your lineup to have like a really good overall like Pokemon. Yeah, spot. you have to be like walking right. through like the work. wilderness to fight right. wild animals so that you can get right. stronger because you, gotta... you can't just beat people. Right, you gotta work. So yeah. like when I when I played the emulator and I went back and I was like, damn man, like I forgot just how much time you had to sink into these games to be good and they're not hard but they're just i mean they are they will make you work well and it's just like you didn't have the technical aspect too so you're like searching through towns if you miss something you have to find it organically there was nothing else for you other final final thing these games these football games i got made fun of by my buddies these are amazing i don't know why people don't play it more otherwise love you guys hope you have a great weekend <laughs>